Welcome to Artful Aging with your host, Amy. Are you a senior or a caregiver of a senior looking for support and direction? Best-selling author, educator, and expert in senior living, Amy Friesen, is here with the help you need while providing you with an important and valuable support network. So now, please welcome the host of Artful Aging, Amy Friesen. I'm Amy Friesen, and I'm your host of Artful Aging with Amy. Welcome. We're live on Bold Brave TV. The number one thing I hear from seniors who don't want to make a move is, uh, only way I'm going out is feet first, meaning that they intend to pass away in their home. However, most of them uh, tell me that they are not the same, they're not doing the same things that they used to do, that they need to make changes. Some people aren't even doing enough to put that process uh, in place, which means they want to pass away in their home, all well and good, but then they don't do anything. <laughs> so it almost makes it impossible. A lot of people tend to think that things will just work out magically. I can tell you after 20 years in the business, it does not happen that way. It's extra surprising for those who wish to stay home as long as possible. So you would hope that they have put in as much time and thinking into things to put things together, but most don't. My guest today is Margot Margo McWhirter. McWhirter. Did I say Margot McWhirter? Got it. <laughs> a, a registered occupational therapist, and she has a master's degree in gerontology and certificates in patient navigation, home modification, and universal inclusive design. She is passionate about the connection between housing and healthcare and the impact that both have on the quality of life. As the founder of Inclusive Aging, Margot applies her three decades of experience as a clinician, and aging in place, and accessibility consultant to help older adults age confidently in their home. Welcome, Margot. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for the invitation. I'm really pleased to be here. I think today is going to be eye-opening for many people. I'm sure it'll even be some of the stuff we've talked before, but I'm sure even eye-opening for me on aspects. So, Margot, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself as well as what drew your own business in this field? Yeah, for sure. And thank you for the introduction in terms of telling people a bit about my background and uh, experience. I would say that... Um, my passion is driven around age-inclusive spaces and products and services that really support people to stay in their home longer, more safely, and with greater peace of mind. And I'm an outside-the-box thinker, uh, both personally and professionally, so it really made sense for me after my years of experience across the healthcare system um, to start Inclusive Aging to provide solutions that aren't typically found or available in more traditional models of healthcare service delivery. I think that possibly why one of the reasons we connect too is because I tend to think out of the box and I find that you know, if you don't look for other options and, hey, try this, maybe that'll work, or hey, try that, or have you heard of this, then you're, you're stuck in the box, essentially. And it's hard because there's so many things outside of what I know as a person and what you know as a person. And it's just a matter of keeping an open mind and maybe looking at the whole environment. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I found. Um, Margo, what are some of the issues you see when you're working with the community? Yeah, um, there's so many. And certainly um, when we're talking about working with older adults and their families, um, there's there's the personal, there's the physical, there's the social and emotional. But really when um, 
people get to a certain age and stage of life and start counter the healthcare system, which they may have had limited experience with previously, because one of the things I like to remind my clients and families is aging is not a disease. Aging is just life at a later point. So uh, where people may not know where to begin, uh, when to begin, where they may encounter a fragmented side uh, service delivery and even uh, information, it can be very hard and quite frankly overwhelming to know what to to do, where to go, whom to ask, and then how to start to integrate that. Um, the other thing that I do see, and I think a lot of it is predicated or based on internalized ages, where people kind of adopt or accept a lot of the social messaging about what later life is or can or should be. And so that almost um, feeds into human nature being reluctant to change. And so there's a deferral or a delayed reaction or decision making. And then perhaps um, either excess or not excess but giving up control to others you know we often hear about older adults deferring to medical experts but then the flip side is hanging on to control with dear life and not really saying you know what i think i need to cast a wider net and find out who are the experts within my own family but then beyond that who um uh who i can look to to ask for help Right. And I think I've said this on another previous episode that, you know, aging is something that and in, in, in my world and retirement living stuff is stuff that families generally haven't dealt with. It's not like when you learn to drive a car when you're 16 and then you're doing it all your life. You have to adjust. But we're already we're already at a commercial break. So let's there for a minute because there's a lot in store for today's episode with Margot. Uh, everybody grab a coffee. Come back and join us in a couple of minutes. You're watching Artful Aging with Amy. Welcome back. Today's show is all about aging in place. It's one of those terms that is thrown around quite a bit, but it can mean quite a few things. Perhaps for Sally, it means staying home as long as possible. And for Ken, it means moving cities and moving with their with his son. But then for Steve, it means moving into a retirement home community where he has full continuum of care available to him. It doesn't matter where you are. You can age in place and in different situations. And it's about adapting it to your personal situation. I'm constantly speaking about being proactive and not waiting for a crisis in order to put things in place. Because by the time a crisis happens, most things have fallen apart in a way that they cannot be put back together in the, sa the same that it was before. And this is also where we see a lot of hospital visits and moves to retirement homes and long-term care uh, homes, but people don't choose at those points when they're in crisis. So the idea is to be able to make your choices, not have your choices made for you. Margo, if a senior is looking to age in place, wherever that may be, what type of mindset would you suggest starting the process with? Yeah, well, we talked a little bit about uh, mindset in the last segment in terms of not internalizing some of those ageist messages. I think the other piece, and you you spoke to it well also, is of being proactive and making uh, choices, also thinking about the fact that people get to later life by hopefully being quite adaptable and resilient. And so rather than avoiding or running away from change, actually look at aging and aging in the right place um, as involving uh, 
changes that can actually help you continue to live life to the fullest on your own terms and with your own goals in mind. Yes, sometimes, you know, life does happen and we have to experience transitions that we didn't expect. But if you have that resiliency and that adaptability in terms of your mindset, it's just like, okay, so here's a change. And I have the skills from a lifetime of living that I can adapt to that rather than saying fixed and focused and almost stagnating in place. You see me going like this a little bit. It's about weaving, right? And it's, you know, it's not a straight line. Nobody's life is a straight line. It's not going to happen exactly how you want it, but it's about throughout your life. I think this will get a little bit easier as other generations come up mm-hmm. that throughout your life people are getting more maneuverable technologies coming in we're doing different things and so the mindsets are all changing but right now a lot of the folks that I work with are are frozen in what to do because they just have not even experienced it a question I'm asked all the time Margo is how much money mm-hmm. so everyone is trying to budget for the future it's not as easy as buying other things like a car or a house or a picture frame or whatever. Um, it's, it's challenging. And a lot of what we need uh, as seniors comes down to the combination of preference, care needs, and budget. So home modifications and assisted devices can range quite substantially depending on the individual and what they need. Margot, can you give us a sort of ballpark of what costs might look like? Yeah, well, it certainly is highly variable and recognizing that buddy who experiences um, either a a major illness or a debilitating condition uh, like a stroke, um, that the cost may be quite significant because you're not only factoring in the costs of home modifications, but possibly uh, also uh, enhanced care and and other uh, equipment. Um, I do like to point out that when we're talking about home modifications specifically, it will also depend on the structure of the home, and that's where working together with a contractor um, is so valuable. The other thing to consider is that there are a a number of low or no-cost home modifications that can make a space usable and functional. And then when we start to um, basically evaluate as an occupational therapist, I'm going to evaluate people's ability to do activities within the space they have and then recommend scribe equipment as well as home modifications. And some of those things may be tens of dollars in terms of you know bathroom safety equipment. And then it could range up to tens of thousands of dollars if we need to be looking at you know residential elevators or uh, modifications to a bathroom or kitchen to make them more usable and functional. Um, The one other piece that I like to emphasize is there is a cost to doing nothing in terms of your quality of life, in terms of your health and safety, and not to minimize or ignore that sometimes when people experience physical illness, it also then affects their um, emotional and social well-being because they become isolated. And if they live in a home that doesn't work for them and that keeps them trapped within their home, then then spending money is actually not a good investment in themselves. I'm so glad you said that because there's a lot of people that don't make any decisions But what they don't realize is not making a decision is making a decision. They're setting themselves up for failure. And a lot of people don't want to plan, don't want to look into it, don't even want to get the advice, don't even go to YouTube to look at advice, right? Like there's so much free advice. There's so much extra stuff people can do. And then there's super specialized advice. And even that is not that costly when you're looking 
at your life and being there for the things you want to do and for your loved ones and all of that. So making no choice is a choice. And it's it's upsetting at some points because you and I both deal with families that are just not making choices, but making choices. So yeah. on top of the cost, folks are also often looking to understand the private and public care systems, how much home care is, how much retirement living is, or long-term care is. Margo, in your experience, when should someone be adding in home care to assist or start looking into another living situation? Yeah, so I think just to back up a little bit in terms of talking about costs, the other thing um, that I think it's important to emphasize or recognize is that that's where um, speaking with your financial planner or your bank to because they often have very good resources and algorithms that they can help you to understand what your financial picture is and what you can afford. Mm-hmm. In terms of thinking about, hmm, is it time for me to add in care or even to think about change I'm living? I have to say, it's a bit like wait, waiting until you're thirsty to take a drink of water. You always should plan ahead and make moves and decisions or make uh, you know changes before you think you need it and before you're ready. Because if you wait too long or too late, that's when catastrophe could happen. Um, With regards to sort of some specific kind of triggers or risk factors that individuals or families could be thinking about, number one would be falls. Even a single fall should be a wake-up call. If people experience a change in their um, social situation, so if they become widowed, if they're experiencing social isolation, and we saw that with COVID big time, um, even where there's care caregiver burnout or whether somebody's experiencing fatigue, they just hard to keep up uh, with life and with managing a home. And then the other thing is if people are finding that they are either avoiding meaningful activities and relationships or even spaces within their homes, those should all kind of be bellwethers of what, you know, what's the quality of my life and how does that stack up to how I expected it to be and how I want it to be? Um, so those are, are really some sort of triggers to watch out for. I think, I think people get really stuck in their ways. And I, I think COVID showed us with the isolation that they're stuck and then they just don't know what to do because they haven't been looking outside the box, right, and trying to figure it out. So let's continue this conversation after the break. Uh, up next on our Aging with Amy, Margo and I are going to be discussing warning signs that seniors and their caregivers can be looking for. A few minutes. Hi, welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. Thanks for joining us today. Before we move on to the warning signs, I just wanted to add in a little bit, uh, another question for Margo. Margo, can you tell us, is there any funding available for those who wish to remain in their home? Yeah, so there are a few different resources. And as I said before, talking to a financial planner or even an accountant from a tax uh, advisor perspective is helpful. recognizing that even things like government-funded home care in terms of services, not everybody knows that it exists. And then with regards to funding for home modifications, it really come down to some tax credits. And then uh, some people may have extended health benefits or coverage through Veterans Affairs. Um, certain provinces actually do have a little bit of specialized funding for home modifications. And then finally, uh, there is a charitable organizations such as the March of Dimes, which uh, can offer, I think it's about up to $15,000 uh, for people who are eligible. And that's often a cost sharing arrangement. 
Perfect. And wouldn't you know, I have a tax specialist next week coming on, Margo, like I was telling you. So we'll get some more information there as well. But, you know, Artful Aging is all about giving people as much information so that they can do other things or make plans. But um, and the tax and the tax benefits and the claiming and stuff is really difficult for people because it's just like what we're saying. It's like foreign. Nobody knows or understands what is happening in the tax world or what they can claim as they get older something as simple as uh, disability tax credit right people just don't know about it right so let's discuss warning signs and what seniors could and should look for when this life transition is happening a sign that uh, perhaps people should change up what they're doing to be safer margo can you give uh, this in our audience a little bit of advice and a few tips perhaps Sure. So I think uh, following on some of the warning signs or triggers and symptoms we talked about before, you know, really specifically um, thinking about uh, if you see uh, in yourself or in a loved one, any physical or cognitive changes and losses. And, you know, we always are maybe hypervigilant or really aware memory loss or confusion or that people seem to be uh, coming lost in familiar environments. Um, But we also have to pay attention to things like change in weight or food that doesn't seem to get eaten. If somebody uh, tends to start ordering in meals a lot more, um, you know, if people are missing medications or having trouble scheduling appointments, those are all kind of uh, signals that there might be something going on that bears uh, further investigation. We also need to recognize that in some cases, what uh, people think of is, oh my gosh, this is the start of dementia uh, or Alzheimer's, could actually be a treatable uh, medical illness, whether it's a urinary tract infection, it could be hearing loss, um, lots of different things, including uh, like depression or anxiety. So having those conditions can be really instrumental. Um, And certainly COVID, as we've talked about, changed everything in terms of what we think is of normal living, let alone aging. So in terms of uh, just some kind of quick tips, number one thing I emphasize is lighting. If you choose and improve uh, better lighting for your home, particularly on the stairs, that's critical. Talking about safety, please make sure that you've got railings on both sides of the stairs, even if you you don't think you're going to use it, both indoors and out. Um, Thinking about having a seat or a bench at a door where you're sitting to take shoes on and off because you probably should be sitting rather than leaning on a wall or trying to balance on one foot. Um, Decluttering, not only does that remove or reduce falls risks, but it creates more uh, flow and maneuverability space within your home. And then things like grab bars, non-slip bath mats, um, bath chair, handheld shower, because the bathroom being a wet space is a huge area of risk that we want to make sure we uh, address. And then, uh, you know, don't forget from that holistic, comprehensive perspective, you know, think about meal service, think about fitness and exercise, think about a medication up with your pharmacist and then annual vision and hearing checks just to make sure that you are basically staying in in top health and looking after yourself uh, from a holistic standpoint. May I just add to get rid of the throw rugs for the love of money? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's that's sort of uh, occupational therapy 101 is grab bars and removing throw rugs. Having done this for 30 years, it really works, but where I go into clients' homes and they have gorgeous area rugs, I say this is a piece of art, and art belongs on the wall, not on your floor. 
Brilliant. I've been known to to leave a house after having a consult with a client with throw rugs. Like <laughs> just like I'm um, but it's a hard conversation because a lot of the children of our seniors who are also having the same discussion don't get anywhere with rugs because they're too close to it. So besides throw rugs, is there anything else that caregivers can look for for signs of, of things changing and additional advice you can give caregivers? Yeah, so I think the, the list that I just ran through may be things that caregivers are more kind of conscious of, and especially where we have families that live apart and were apart because of COVID, it's often when families come back together, whether it's at holidays or celebrations or over the summer, that family caregivers in particular notice changes. Um, so, you know, would, would emphasize that. The other piece is, um, you know, trust your gut. If something feels off, it's kind of like the see something, say something philosophy and recognize, as you and I have talked about offline, that um, even where a family member may say something, if that message kind of falls off ears or that honest, caring, compassionate conversation starter doesn't go anywhere, that's when it can be really helpful to bring in non-family outside experts who can have some of those difficult conversations and maybe help facilitate uh, a family conversation and, and a sensitivity to what is being observed. And it's not an emphasis on pointing out what's wrong, but rather saying, I think this may be a problem. Is it a problem for you or mom, uh, you, you, know, you, mom or dad? And can we work on finding a solution together? Well, and a lot of on that on that note, a lot of people too get into the the trap of you know with so say there's a, an 80 year old parent and an adult caregiver. Mm-hmm. That 80 year old parent does not want to be parent does not want to be parented. So we you know the difference like sometimes they won't take the advice because they don't want to be parented by their child. And so breaking that down and just you know noticing that and just bringing in somebody that can actually have that conversation on a different non-emotional level um, has been so helpful for our clients, probably your clients as well. It's just kind of separated out because we can have different conversations in a different way than family can. Uh, even with my own family, like I was sharing with you, Margo, it's a different ball ball game, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we're already at a break again, Margo. Can you, can you believe that? So I'm going to pose this question for our folks to consider over the break. Do you see these warning signs in yourself as a senior or in your loved one as a caregiver? Have a think on that over the break, and we'll see you in a few minutes. Welcome back. I'm Amy, and this is Artful Aging with Amy, and Margo is joining us today uh, to discuss all things aging in place. There are a lot of misconceptions surrounding aging in place. Not everyone or every company has the knowledge needed to make things safer for seniors. It takes very specialized knowledge. Uh, to to make things uh, better for seniors, to give the proper advice. A lot of people, you know, would use a contractor that they used in their 20s for a house, but then they want to do um, a renovation in their house now, and that same contractor might not have the knowledge base for senior safety. So just as an example. So, Margot, perhaps let's look at the home as a whole. There are many things that can be done in a home in order to make it safer, but it's not always the best choice to do things as they could maybe negatively affect the resale value of the home or cost of doing them might just be too high in comparison to other choices. Could you give us a little bit more insight into this? For sure. Um, So first things off, really important for people to understand that there's home modifications and home renovations. 
And then there is that within the context of universal or inclusive design. And universal design is just good design. So that means that it's gorgeous, it's functional, it is actually in demand, and it doesn't reduce the value of your home or affect the resale value, it actually can contribute to that. Um, recognizing that more and more contractors, occupational therapists, interior designers, etc., are taking additional training to learn about universal design. And in fact, the Canadian Home Builders Association has just this week launched their adaptive uh, program in order to build capacity and knowledge amongst people across professions. Um, I think that what also is worth mentioning is that where costs do start to add up and, and people kind of go, oh gosh, what have we done, um, is where they involve somebody and not involve an occupational therapist who can basically identify what are the needs for you today and also do a bit of forecasting for the future so you're not spending good money after bad. Um, you know, it's I've seen examples of where you know people have gone ahead and put in a stair lift, and I'm not bashing stair lifts, but they're not the right um, solution for everybody. And similarly, there is a massive difference between a step-in shower and a zero-step shower. And I see this constantly with contractors who simply don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. I think that also when we're talking about inclusive design being gorgeous and, and attractive, a lot of people don't realize that this is what's happening now, right? This is like there's there's movement to make things beautiful and safe. And so a lot of people don't uh, fix things in their home in a way that's safe for them. Like they don't want to put a grab bar in because grab bars are ugly. <laughs> but there's a way to... There's They're not all ugly. That ugly. That's right. They're not all ugly, right? And we know this, but if you're in your box, in your own in your own way, right, you, it's hard to know that. So what about downsizing to one level? Many people feel like that's going to be everything, Margot. Are they correct? It certainly can solve a lot of, uh, of the problems when people are challenged with medical or mobility issues, because maybe it's not that uh, they are immobilized physically, um, but they do have issues with uh, limited endurance because of cardiac or uh, lung function. Um, so moving to one level can be a huge help. I like to work with clients and families and remind them that it's not simply moving a bed uh, from upstairs down to the living room because then you've got a cluttered environment where it's harder to maneuver and move about the space as well as more difficult for caregivers. Uh, I recently worked with, with a family where we had to move the gentleman uh, down to the main floor and that literally took weeks in terms of clearing out what was an office come uh, his bedroom. Um, and so, you know, that's a, a really very specific example. Um, the other thing is uh, that, um, as I talked about before, if all you've done is move to a single uh, you know, level, main level of your home, but you can't get out your front door, then what have you gained? You have to think about it sort of in terms of whole home and whole living. And then for people who are maybe downside, moving into a condo uh, uh, or even a retirement home, 
um, think about your abilities now and for the future. And if you have a choice, please don't choose the room or the suite that's farthest from the elevator. I've worked with another family where um, both the husband and wife have some fairly serious medical issues and they have a gorgeous condo, but it is literally over 250 feet uh, from the elevator and that stops them from going out and accessing the community. And then you're just, you have another problem, right? You just have one problem after another. You can't, you have to be careful, uh, even the people we see as well. And, you know, even when they're moving to retirement living, a lot of people are wanting information and knowledge on full continuum of care because mm-hmm. one, they don't want to move again, but also it's like, how is this uh, set up? And that's what we help advise. It's like, you know, is the bathroom off of the bedroom or is it around the corner and for you specifically as a senior, does this work, right? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. It's all it's all individual, um, but it happens all the time. So it's a good point about, you know, you're not just downsizing to one level. You're also not bringing everything with you. You're also, you know, making sure things aren't cluttered. So um, I think a lot of people miss that mark when they're looking at downsizing. Are modifications to the home as important as personal care or support services, Marco? Yes, I think they absolutely can and should go hand in hand. And what many people don't necessarily uh, appreciate or think about is that we live in a designed world and our designed world is not actually age friendly or inclusive of people across the spectrum of ages and ability. So to talk about a well-designed home uh, and home environment and physical space as essentially being a silent caregiver because the space and the objects that you come into contact with and use every day either will enable you to be safe and functional and comfortable, or it can disable you either catastrophically or at least prematurely in terms of making everything and everyday activity that much harder. But that's not to say that changing your home or modifying your home or even moving is going to be the full solution Again, it has to be that whole home and whole person approach, you know, recognizing all of the aspects we talked about uh, earlier with regards to need, budget, wants and goals. um, And recognize that in some cases there is a compromise to be made and there might be restrictions on people's budget uh, or they simply may not uh, be prepared or wanting to sort of think of, uh, of taking on a lot of change all at once. And that's another piece to consider is Um, working at the individual's pace uh, to make changes, but then also recognize when we kind of have to put pedal to the metal and really get um, changes and modifications quickly in order to avoid problems down the road. Well, and that's the thing. It's like if you start doing planning and prepping early enough, then you can do it bite size, that it's not overwhelming. And that's what people don't realize when I say plan, plan, plan every show and every guest is every, every show. And people don't realize that if you just take the time to plan, then you can do it in pieces. But if you don't take the time to plan and you're going to like band-aid at the end, right, it's going to be this crisis situation and you're in, in over your head, right? So it's, uh, it's different for each person, but um, I'm glad to say that, you know, those like that you said that the home support and the modifications do go hand in hand because they're different types of services, but you're a whole human being that need those different things from mobility versus, you know, your actual physical care. So it's time for another break. Artful Aging with Amy on Bold Brave TV. We'll see you in a few minutes. 
Welcome back to Artful Aging with Amy. I'm your host, Amy, and Margo's joining us today to talk about aging in place and home modification and all the rest of the stuff that's come up because it's all intertwined. I come across this issue a lot of my time, the one that so-and-so knows better. So many people default to their doctors, a family member, a friend, when really they should be looking for people and businesses that specifically specialize in what they're dealing with. We get that all the time. You know, a friend tried this retirement home, therefore that's the retirement home we're going to go to without actually thinking of their own physical needs versus what needs. It's very, very frustrating as a professional, I have to say. But it's about, you know, bringing in the extra advice from somebody or a business that's actually seen these things in process, um, not just taking advice of one person or a certain, you know, a doctor or a family member, like I said. Even though you've been uh, going to a great mechanic all your life, for instance, that it, for all your car driving life, that and that doesn't mean that you can actually have advice from them for care purposes. So you go into your mechanic, they're taking care of you all your life. They're the, you know, your best friend and mechanic. And then you've got a care problem coming up and you say, hey, Joe, my mechanic, how do I solve my hip problem or my arm problem or, you know, my, you know, my, my son has dementia or whatnot. Um, it goes all over the place. And so you can't just take advice from trust. You have to bring it all together. It, that goes for family members as well, I have to say. So many family members try to help without even consulting a professional, which could be putting themselves or their loved ones at risk. So a lot of people say, oh, mom, you know, you don't need that. Let's do this. But they haven't actually thought about all the scenarios, which is why um, OT is so important. Margot, for the seniors and caregivers watching, where would you suggest or what should they start with if they're looking, if, sorry, if they're beginning to notice the warning signs that we spoke about earlier? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that it is um, uh, important to sort of cast that wide net. And, you know, uh, I'll, I'll do uh, props to, to my own profession. I, I'm a huge advocate of people reaching out to an occupational therapist, either within the government funded home care system or folks self and others who work outside of the system. Um, the advantage is that we uh, often can take the time and spend the time to look at things very holistically with clients and families. I often describe occupational therapy as like the Swiss Army multi-tool of healthcare professionals because uh, not only do we know a little bit about a lot of things, but we're very functional and practical. And so we uh, uh, to the clients and families with their, you know, breadth of experience. And you know what, if they ask Joe, the car mechanic for advice, Joe might have some very relevant experience. And so being able to weave that in as well can be so invaluable. Um, the other advantage of folks like yourself and myself, where we have a huge network of people, if, if um, you know, I come across a client and family who are looking for advice they, they might work with me to facilitate a process and to help them identify their goals. But then it's a lot of information and referrals and basically uh, linking them and helping them navigate the complex system so that they get unstuck. As a, as a wee bit of a shout out for private professions like ourselves, a lot of people, because we're in Canada, you know, our healthcare is, is comped, right, from the government. So a lot of people are looking for these free services for the government, but there's just not enough or they're not specific. So people are a little bit hesitant sometimes if they have to uh, pay out of pocket for a private service. But what I have found, again, trying not to toot my own horn, but what I found is that 
in the community as private businesses, we have a wealth of knowledge that government doesn't necessarily have. And so if you can figure that out in the community as well, and even, you know, use both or or combine the two, um, don't be stuck on necessarily the dollar amount. Yes, people are on budgets, but try to work past that to understand that there's a lot more things at play than just getting a free service or free healthcare or free whatever, wouldn't you say, Marco? For sure. I, I really I'm a firm believer in talking about transformation rather than transaction and looking at value for money. I used to be a home care OT. I used to train home care OTs. But now I absolutely work within a hybrid system and I have care coordinators both from public uh, you know, government services as well as private agencies who I work really well with. And, and we complement each other. It's not about competition. It's about collaboration and getting what is best for the individual and family. Well, and this, the thing is, sometimes as a private uh, business, mm-hmm. we actually know of the public system better. Right. So people... Yeah. You know, think oh, healthcare. Therefore, we should be able to find it from the government. <laughs> Trying to go through the government sites and things like that, and it's really difficult to find. Even for you, it's hard to find. And so sometimes hooking into a local service uh, that's private, not only can we offer you maybe more rounded, holistic service and 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 referrals out to others because we're doing it every day. But then we can also say, hey, have you looked at this as a public service? Have you brought in this? Like long-term care is a public service, for instance. But a lot of people just don't know how to put those services together, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been it's been very challenging for many families. Mm-hmm. So, Margo, I think we're going to wrap up today. And you're going to join us back on season two because we're going to be talking about all other things. But for more information on Margo, please head over to artfulagingwithamy.com. There you'll find Margot's bio, you'll find a link to Margot's site and all the extra information um, there. So Margot, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate all of your advice. It was, like I said, it was even eye-opening for me and I love having conversations like this uh, because I often find that the back and forth between professionals, if people can witness it, uh, it, is usually eye-opening, right? So thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun and I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you and your Awesome. We'll see you soon, Margo. Um, coming up next after the break, join me for my top tips to make the most of your seniors years. Those are for people who love the Coles Notes version and just want a tidbit at the end. I hope you'll stick around for a couple more minutes. Come back and join me on our Aging with Amy in a couple, couple minutes. Welcome back to our Aging with Amy. I'm your host, Amy. I hope that you've Uh, got a lot of information out of today and started the wheels turning on different ways to start planning for your future. Let's go over some top tips that I think will help you make the most of your senior years. So of course, my top tip would be plan early and often. So as Margo and I were talking about, a lot of people at this moment in time get to being a senior, but they don't have any Thing, uh, any experiences or um, anything in pl- in plan. And so the, the idea is if you can start planning earlier, then you can take little tiny steps to the fact, like to the point when you become a senior, you need to make bigger steps. And that way, not only is it easier to maneuver, but you've already started putting things in the plan so that you don't have to think about it later. And hopefully that makes you safer down the way as well. That's the thing with the throw rugs, right? If you get rid of the throw rugs, if you think they're going to be causing a trip hazard, then you're setting yourself up to not have a fall risk later, which is super beneficial. 
Number two, make sure you're consulting the proper professional. It doesn't need to be expensive, but you should be talking to the right people. Your health is important. And after all, the whole of today's show is about how to keep yourself safe at home. But by not planning, you're just waiting for a crisis. So make sure that you're surrounding yourself with the proper people and professions. Don't be afraid to ask the questions. Also, there's a lot of free content and free information out there. There's a lot on the TS website. There's a lot uh, on YouTube and webinars and different things. Just start poking around. Or if you're looking for that information, reach out and, and say, hey, I'm looking for this. Could you, could you direct me? There's lots of professionals willing to help without cost and without um, significant, you know, setting up down the way that you have to have certain services or anything. There's a lot of people that just want the best for our simulation. So make use of them. Tip three, look at the whole picture, health, housing, financing, connection, and all other aspects that matter when you're planning your life journey. Like we talked about self isolation became a big thing over COVID. All of these things need to jive together because if one falls off, then it's only a matter of time for the other ones to follow. Tip four, consider a place in a new place. Retirement living can be a great option. If you're looking into retirement living, consider how long you would like to remain in the same building, what types of continuum of care may be required. As you know, Tia Toast does this. We help families with um, seniors and families with that all day long. So we also have a national network available to you that are just like myself at TN Toast across Canada. Head over to retirementhomeadvisors.com for information for your area if you're in Canada. Don't be afraid to make a move earlier to retirement than you think that you should. Uh, a lot of people do that in order that they can age in place and not have to worry about the various things that come with home ownership or condo ownership or even renting uh, in an in apartment building. So there's definitely lots to be considered, but don't, don't just take one look at it. Make sure you're kind of looking at the whole pie. On next week's show, it's that time again. Like I was saying, we're going to be speaking with a tax specialist. Uh, we'll be speaking with Sarah Bowie of Bowie Financial on all things retirees and taxes. So you don't want to miss it. Next week's episode might actually put some money in your bank account. So let's see. Let's see if we can do that for you. If you've enjoyed today's show, please like and, and follow uh, ArtfulAgingWithAmy.com on YouTube or Facebook. Help other people find this valuable information and share it around your networks because there's lots of people that are struggling. Don't say that. Thank you for joining us today on our Full Aging with Amy on Bold Brave TV. From me to all of you, I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday. You've been listening to Artful Aging with host Amy. Many folks just like you feel they're alone in their journey in helping a loved one or caregiver. So tune in each week and let Amy show you that help is around the corner and is just one conversation away here on Artful Aging.